0: You already know that today's theme is that over all things, having done all these, put all this stuff on, uh, take up the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Well, it's the shield of faith. So that when we are praying for one another just now for protection, we can pray for protection for one another. But we also have to exercise faith. We take up the shield of faith. So, I'm going to read, you won't be surprised, from Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, We understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he didn't experience death. He couldn't be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful Who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to go back. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of the bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they weren't afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered before, because he saw him who is invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And so we could read on. Almost every day, I'd say every day, you are depending on the invisible. Um, I've switched my uh, phone off, it's in my pocket, but it's not, well, it's not off, it's on silent. So somebody can ring me right now, and lo and behold, there will be a buzz somewhere in one of my pockets. And it will go zzzz, and might even tickle. The amazing thing about this phone in my pocket... Is that it might be one of you sitting here? Say, I'm going to test this, <laughs> <laughs> and you might ring my number. I'm just going to say, I see if the tickle puts him off preaching. <laughs> and so you ring me, but your um, signal is going to go up somehow through the ceiling. It's going to find its way to a satellite. Somewhere, and it's going to be redirected in ways which you scientists will understand and I don't. It's going to be reflected and it's then going to find my phone. How does it do that? You scientists understand these, and it's perfectly explicable to you, but it's invisible. And all day long, you're relying upon invisible things. And while you're relying on these invisible things, you're actually breathing invisible air. Which you can't see, but absolutely depend upon. And you don't think twice about it. So why should it be thought stupid to believe in a god? doesn't matter how you think of this universe, whether you believe in God or don't, you go back to whatever a beginning looks like, and there is no rational explanation for it. How does something always be there? Because we look for cause and effect. How does something always just be there? And if it was created, how did God just be there? The whole of our life is a mystery. When you go back to the beginning, why should we be considered stupid to recognize mind and wisdom and beauty behind this universe which we live in? And trust in the invisible God. our hope is in an, the invisible God it's not just that we've thought it through and been rational about it it's, some of it sounds quite irrational actually because we've heard of one Jesus Christ of Nazareth just a bloke doing extraordinary things but healing the sick and raising the dead and dying and rising again and calling himself the Son of God and then declaring that he's going to send some invisible spirit to people who trust in him so that their lives will be utterly transformed and changed. And yet incredible as it may seem to thousands of people nearly all of you here have believed that good news Which reconciles you with the invisible God, whom all your life you took no notice of, actually contributing to the mess up of His universe. And you have believed this story of Jesus, and you have trusted in Him. And to your own astonishment and the astonishment of those people who knew you before you were Christian, you have been changed and it's not just that your lifestyle has changed but inside your being you have come from a place where is there god i don't know if there's a god to a point where god's spirit touching your life says lord i know i know you i know you god you are extraordinary So you and I find ourselves in this extraordinary position where through faith we are living what other people recognize as a transformed life and what we recognize as being a life in new dimension. And our faith hasn't diminished over the years, but grown because we've discovered that God actually answers prayers and what the scriptures promise, God does. But to other people, we're just believing in the invisible, the impossible, the intangible. But you know God. God that's the thing through jesus christ and faith in him you have encountered god not only have you encountered god but he's given you a whole set of extraordinary new understandings in hebrews no in ephesians Where we read about the armor of God. Paul says this he prays for the church. That means he's praying for you and me. And we believe that because the prayer has been retained in Scripture, therefore it's a prayer which God means to answer. It's consistent with God's desire for you and for me. And this is the prayer that God may grant to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know what is the hope to which you are called? What are the riches of God's glorious inheritance in you? And what is the incomparable greatness of his power for you? Now, think about that. His desire is the church may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see and to know and to understand these things. And when we take a shield of faith, we have to ask what on earth it is we're believing in. Well, we're believing in the God who made the universe. We're trusting in the one that called Abraham and Elaine. We're trusting in the one who sent Jesus Christ and raised him from the dead. And we're trusting in the promises that he made, what he would accomplish by his spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so when we take the shield of faith and we face whatever difficulties life may bring us or the devil may throw at us as we seek to live a simple Christian life, as we face those things, however great they may appear to us and difficult they may appear at the time, our faith is in God who said he wants us to know the hope to which we are called. Now, do you know the hope to which you are called? Could we have a picture of a shield up there, please? It's the, it's the one bloke with a shield. You'll see it in a minute. I, I'll, I'll digress. No, it's not that. I'll digress. The, Paul, <laughs> the word which Paul uses for shield is thoraeus It's associated with the Greek word thura. Thura means Door. When you get to see this thing, it looks like a great big door. This shield was made with an iron framework and lots and lots of leather on it. And sometimes had a boss in the middle. Just take my word for it for the time being. And before they went into battle, they often soaked it with water. And made the thing soaking wet so that when the enemy did fire its flaming darts they were extinguished. Please come up. But it's not his fault because I didn't take it up to him until we were in the middle of a a hymn. So it will appear. And when it appears perhaps you'll all go, yeah! (laughs) This enormous shield which is the shield of faith, we remember the hope to which God has called us. Now then, do you know the hope that God has called you to? Do you know that you are a new creation? Do you know that he's he's promised you a life which is an eternal life? Do you understand that one day beyond this life you will be with God and you will see Christ? Do you understand that you will be changed to be like Him because you will see Him as you are? Do you understand that that hope is such that there will be nothing left in you because of the purifying sheer grace and salvation of God? There'll be nothing left of you to spoil that eternity. Do you understand that there's going to be a new heaven on earth in which righteousness dwells? That you're going to be raised with Jesus when he comes again? That you're going to have a new resurrection body, which is like his resurrection body, which is going to be as fantastically, gloriously different from the one you've got now as the sunflower is from the seed you plant it from? That God has prepared this glory and this future for you. Beyond this life. Do you believe that? (laughs) Yes, we do want to do something. But don't worry. Um, Anything could happen. It might be a dinosaur next. Who knows? This is the hope that is set before you. Do you know, now this might sound really weird to you, and I, I hope it's not. I really hope that it's not just... Naf. but when I read about these Christians in Egypt or in other places being beheaded for their faith that is an awful thing which has happened to them but you know I think that if they got me to kneel down and say deny Jesus become a Muslim or we will behead you I think I would kneel down and want to lift up my head Because although I don't know what will happen in the moment when death comes, I don't know whether that seems to last forever, the pain, but to my my way of thinking, it's instantaneous. And somebody... Hooray! There's the shield. See how big it is? And when that sword, or whatever it is, comes swishing down, I might have some serious emotional things going on inside me. But I will welcome it. Because when my head falls on the ground, my spirit won't die, but I'm going to leap from the body, the spirit is going to leap from the body, to be with Christ. They're going to do me a favour, aren't they? Is that your hope? You see? That's our hope. So it doesn't matter what people throw at us, Even the very worst, we have a great hope to shield ourselves with by faith. And so we stand firm in our faith. And then think of this that's a hope to which you are called. I don't understand this thing of calling in many ways, because in one sense the Bible says that uh, God saves those who call upon him, and another place it says he redeems those whom he calls to himself. I don't care. I called on the name of Jesus, but he's called me and he's called you to a living hope of resurrection in Jesus Christ. That's fantastic. So he's called you to a living hope. But also, just think and I don't understand this, but what Paul says to the Ephesians is, what is, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in you? Now, looking at that, I think, but surely it's the riches of my inheritance in him. But that's not what he says. It's the riches of his inheritance in you. Now think about this. The devil has destroyed and destroyed and despoiled the world. There's wickedness all over the place. This is a mutilated universe in our part of it. We've even spread our rubbish into the heavens. Okay? This is a mutilated planet. The work of the devil, which man has happily gone along with. And God is redeeming it. But the powers of darkness and wickedness and temptation and snidiness are still all around us to pull us from a path which is following Jesus, which most people think is stupid and irrelevant and archaic and Victorian, if not just totally unnecessary. To walk in the way of Jesus, forgiving when others curse and to pay back. Dee and I went into a shop, I think it was, I don't know, a shop in Bristol somewhere, and Dee bought something, and the woman gave us um, some change, or something, and when we got home, Dee looked at the change, and said, she's given us too much. And so we went back the next day, and we, the same girl was at the till, and we said, look, we're ever so sorry, but... Actually, yesterday we bought this, here's the thing, and you gave us too much change. Here's the change back. The girl nearly fainted on the spot. People don't do that. Christians do. Christians bless those that curse them. They live by an integrity which this world has forgotten. And when we don't live by that integrity, we we feel guilty. And we come back to God and we say, God, I'm so sorry. And then we begin to write letters. When I became a Christian, I used to steal from my bosses. When I became a Christian, my conscience wouldn't allow me to rest until i have written to my bosses and said, when I was working for you, I drank all your scotch when you weren't looking. I nicked the records, which are, because it was a record company, I nicked your records, and it was all vinyl in those days. I nicked your records and took them home. I fiddled my expenses so I don't know how much. I will pay it back do you know I wrote that letter to them twice I sent it to the top guy and I didn't get one reply because they were all doing it anyway but what fool pays anything back but a Christian lives differently in this world because a Christian walks with Jesus that's what you do in your daily life and in your family, and your friends, and your neighbors. Now then, think of all the darkness there is around, and all the wickedness and temptation there is around, and all the things that draw you into places where you shouldn't be, and to do things you shouldn't do. And you walk humbly with your God. Can you see why at the end of your life, when the devil goes... Ah. failed to get him back can you see what a glorious richness or rich glory that is to Jesus you walking through this world by faith clinging to him and living in his way you know what it says, don't you, in Isaiah, that he will see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. You, living and walking by faith, are his satisfaction. Isn't that wonderful? And so that's part of the faith. Our shield of faith. And then there's this, the last pitch, which Paul says. I see we have some cakes. Come around and have a look at these cakes. Something very exciting is going to happen later. And when we've seen the cakes, or whatever they are, then we'll get back to Paul. <laughs> so, there's the hope to which you were called. Though the riches of his glorious inheritance in you, and there's the immeasurable greatness of his power for you. Now, think about that. There is a scripture which says that when we're tempted, God will provide also a way of escape. I experienced that in a very particular way. I won't say what the temptation was, but this week there was a temptation and it has... Temptation isn't a temptation unless it has a magnetism about it. An attraction which says this looks really good. I'm really good. Come and enjoy. But this verse came through my mind. God, you promised to provide a way of escape where's the way of escape from this? And a way of escape appeared. And I took it. I felt so happy. But in taking that way of escape, there was a sense that the power of God had been let loose. And established that way. And safeguarded me on it. Now, his power is immeasurable. Immeasurable. I'm going to tell you a story which may not be quite relevant, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's about him being our shield. Somebody mentioned this this morning. God said to Abraham, Abraham, do not fear. I am your shield. One year when I went to Romania, we were... We always we drove, there was a team of three, and on the way the windscreen shattered. Which meant we had to get a new windscreen. It was a number of years ago. Nowhere in Romania was it possible to get another windscreen for the vehicle we were driving. So we had to get in touch with our insurers back here in this country and they had to supply for a windscreen to be flown out of London, delivered in Bucharest, picked up by a garage, and then fitted. My two colleagues had to get back to work, so they flew back and left me in Bucharest on my own. I was very lonely and scared, and my Romanian wasn't particularly good at the time, and I was in a hotel which... It was a bit more like a hotel before the revolution than after it. So it wasn't a very pleasant place at the time. Okay? And I waited and I sat on my bed feeling quite, not clinically depressed, obviously, but feeling really down miserable and lonely. And I read this. Fear not, I am your shield. That word so resonated in here. I knew at that moment God wasn't just speaking to Abraham, God was speaking to Dave Winfield. I just said, thank you. And I began to thank God for this, this assurance. And when I was praising him, this kind of stupid picture of a yellow van came into my head. And I thought, oh God, I'm sorry. All this mundane stuff, what's that got to do with it? I tried to get rid of this yellow van. The flipping thing wouldn't disappear from my imagination. Anyway, He's my shield. Eventually, the car was delivered to me at the hotel. Everything worked. Fantastic. Signed off the insurance document and with the hotel and everything else. Began to drive away. Beautiful sunny day. I thought, I'll just try the windscreen wipers. Dead. 1,500 miles to go. Everything signed off. No money in my pocket that was left. 1,500-mile journey through Europe with no windscreen wipers. I thought I heard a little echo somewhere in the back of my mind. Don't fear, I am your shield. So I drove on, and we had lovely weather, all the way up to the Hungarian border. Trouble getting through the border, but that's another thing. Got through until we began to get near Budapest. And then the clouds began to come, and it began with a drizzle. So I stopped in a side street, sat in the back of my van, and kind of sulked, basically, (laughs) feeling very miserable. And eventually it stopped raining, so I drove on. I managed to get into Austria. Slept the night in a service station in the back of the van, of course. Next morning, started off about half past five, six o'clock in the morning. Beautiful sunny day. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Wonderful sunny day. Ten miles up the autobahn, in front of me, there was a wall of fog. And the cars ahead of me drove into this wall and just disappeared no windscreen wipers there was a slip road just where the fog began so I drove off and at the bottom there was a garage and I drove into the garage and in my best German which doesn't exist asked about windscreen wipers and the guy said you see that man over there with the yellow van just filling up he's the one, go and see him so I went and talked to the man with the yellow van And the man with the yellow van, I didn't have any money, but the man with the yellow van said, and he sorted me out. And before I drove back on the autobahn, swish, 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 and it didn't cost me a penny, and you can bet your bottom dollar I praise God like mad. You are my shield, Lord. You are fantastic, wonderful, praise the Lord. And I was so glad when we got to Frankfurt because the clouds began to pile up in tall multi-storey blocks of cloud, And then it began to thunder and the rain literally came down like stair rods, almost vertically. The, the, The puddles merged into lakes and my windscreen wipers went swipe, 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 all the way through the most horrendous storm I've ever driven through. The next day, back in England... I handed the van over to its owner. Thank you for lending us this van. Had a bit of trouble. New windscreen, you'll see. uh, But thank you very much. Great, he says. But two hours later, he phoned me up. Dave, how on earth did you get back in this thing? The windscreen wiper motor is just kaput. It's totally burnt out. Now I'm sure some of you may have a perfectly rational explanation for that and I wouldn't discourage you from giving it. What I can say is there's an immeasurable greatness of his power for us which he can exercise in ways we never dream of when we walk or even drive in his way. Because there's nothing he cannot do. And this is my hope and my faith. And it's yours, whatever you face, to keep on walking with God and never to expect less than Godness from him. Now, can we please have a picture of the phalanx? I've nearly finished, don't worry. Can we see the other one? It's black and white. It might. Can you see that okay? The marvellous thing about these great shields, as you probably already know, is that when they formed up in battle, or when they marched, they could put these shields together, they could kind of interlock them, and the ones inside could lift them up, and so it didn't matter how the fiery darts came at them, they could quench them, and they could march forward as a phalanx. Now then, Elaine, we have set her apart to be a missionary And she's going to have some great times and there are going to be times when she just says I really need some support here. She will get support from the people in Southmead but she can ring Mackie or she can ring Ruth. She's more likely to ring Ruth. (laughs) And through Ruth, she can pass on a help to us. She doesn't have to say what it is, although you can do. But you can just pass on a scream. Help! And we can form a phalanx. And by our corporate shields of faith, we can lift them up for her protection. Because this was written not to individuals, this was written to a church. And again, if you read Ephesians, it's written about the cosmic self, the saving work of, of, of Jesus, God in Jesus. That's in the first part of Ephesians. And then the amazing way that that brings people of all, of all backgrounds and cultures together in Christ. So that we have a Romanian here. God bless you. I'm trying to think of God bless you. I'll think about it. Yeah. Bine Cuvintesi. Dumneze Da. She, Hal, she, she, della Nostru, Christos, And we have uh, Poles here, Polish people here, and I don't know who else we might have here who speak another language. But God has brought us all together into this body. That's what Ephesians is about. We all have peace with God through the blood of his cross. He has brought us together. So that when he's talking about the shield of faith, he's not talking about Dave or Mackie or Ruth or Jenny. He's talking about the church. Each of us have our shield of faith. But as we march, as we live for Jesus, we live and march together in a phalanx at times, in which your faith and my faith combine To bolster his faith, her faith, their faith. Because we need one another in this march for Jesus. But it's a shield of faith. And faith grows like muscles when it's used. So use it. Amen.